0: Hello, I'm here today at Red Cray Towers with Andy Quilden. Andy, how you doing?
1: Very okay, good, thanks. Very
0: good. Thanks for thanks for coming into the uh, into the office. No, thanks it's for the, the mess, insight. Into the abyss. You know, I always thought Titan Towers is man's office. Nothing, was... on <laughs> nothing on this. Nothing on this. Thinking it'd be on the mat and yeah, this is uh this is a proper office. This is how an office should be, if you ask yeah, me. Just a mess. Yeah. <laughs> um I was gonna kick things off by sort of asking you. About the upcoming couple of weeks of Red Pro, because you've got a mammoth amount of shows coming up. Um, how are you preparing for the shows coming up, and what do you think that the shows coming up are going to mean for Red Pro going forward? Apparently,
1: uh, so I've not been sleeping
0: much, which uh, has kind of been my main preparation—just
1: stress and lack of sleep. Um, but in all seriousness, I think that. Uh, for 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 me, like what I always want RevPro Pro to eventually turn into is a promotion which can operate uh, a full time schedule. So um, you know, running these um, running these shows um, in a in such a short proximity to one another is just a, it's just a continuation of the, of the, of the of where I'd like us to be. The fact that they seem to be quite landmark shows for us. Um, I think is what's led to all the stress. Um, but as I've, uh, as I've kind of realized is that the, you have to take those steps because the thought, uh, the thought of doing it is a lot worse than the actual execution. Sure. So, sure. Um, so yeah, but it's, it's quite an exciting time and it's quite exciting that we're going to be, um, you know, doing, uh, you know, all these big shows and, uh, and again, being able to provide all the, all the guys, you know, just regular work during that week. And like I say, it's a, uh, it's going to be a test, but it's going to be a good test and it's going to hopefully teach us some valuable lessons um, and kind of give us some best practice and some worst practice um, about what to do and what not to do and give us an idea of, of where, we're, where we're going moving forward.
0: Is this the busiest your schedule's ever been as well? Um,
1: possibly. Uh, it's certainly the busiest. We're certainly the busiest year we've ever had. I mean, we have a, we had a few busy ones this year alone. We had a a couple of shows on the same day um in july in, in end of july when we were in and portsmouth at the same time um i ran a show in uh, one of our camp shows the same time i was in new orleans for our <laughs> wrestlemania show so you know it's not it's not out the realms of, you know like last year um I, I mean it's not out the you know it's it's I guess in terms of physical shows, day after day after day, it may well be the busiest that we've been as Revolution Pro Wrestling. Sure. When I ran IPW, we did some tours which were kind of pretty hectic. Um, but um, but yeah, as Revolution Pro Wrestling, probably the most amount of shows we've done in a short amount of time. Do
0: you feel like there's more scope on the company with this schedule as well as a result of what's been going on? Uh,
1: in what respect, sorry?
0: Um, in terms of... The opportunity that you've got here and in terms of the place in the country that you're running as well, because obviously you've got what the Midlands, you've got London, the South, uh Manchester as well, it's such a short space of time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think I feel like um you know, if we're going to expand, I think you know, I've said it time and time again, we need to be able to go everywhere. Um I want to introduce Revolution Pro Wrestling to different parts of the country. I'm not necessarily expecting to have lower weight success. I think I'm I'm very different to a lot of promoters in terms of like I'm very much of the belief that you need to build areas up so mm. I'm not going into areas expecting overnight successes I think um one thing I regret is not going back to Leamington sooner because we had a, a good show in Leamington last October I'm gonna say um and my intention was always to get back in there sooner but um you know one thing leads to another thing spiral and, and it kind of stuff gets put off and off and off and I think that you know for me um, I like the Le- lemington in venue. I'm very excited about the show we're bringing there, um, and I would have liked to have, have, have kind of gone back there sooner to try and start to build that um, build that base of fans. So it's almost like we kind of dis- the the hard stuff's out the way because we know the venue now, mm. but the you know the the building of that fan base is starting again from from scratch, so to speak. Um, And I'm very much a believer in we're trying to build new fan bases in all these places rather than say, uh, you know, it's great that some of our fans travel from show to show to show, but rather than, you know, expect every single one of our fans to travel to every single one of our shows, what I like is creating new fans to our product and new fans to professional wrestling, you know, and uh, and it and and kind of adding those to our cumulative fan base, um, and that's the thing that excites me the most. Um, so, so yeah, it's cool. And then going going to Manchester as well, obviously, it's only the second time up up north if you really well a second proper time if you count um, you know the strong style of Old mm-hmm. show. Um, so again, another opportunity to, you know. Really opens some people's eyes, but it's one of those things again where like people are always like you know you should come up north, you should come up north, you should come up north. It's a case of okay, well here we are, so come and support it. We'll come back and <laughs> come and support it. We'll continue yeah. to bring big lineups. So it, that's you know that's the, the crux of it essentially. Like if people if people want it, like we believe they do, they will come out support it, and we will continue to come back and uh, continue to grow.
0: Have ticket sales been good for the Jacob shows as
1: well? So oh, far. terrible. Yeah, really. So, uh, yeah, they have. Yeah. Oh, good. So, uh, um, but hopefully they'll hopefully they'll pick up. I'm yeah, sure yeah, it, with a bit of luck. But yeah, I'm sure it'd be fine. Like, I mean, it's not like it, it's not like it's going to be empty. But sure. you know, like it's the, the with the lineups we're putting on a, across those two nights, if the shows were in London, they'd be sold out sure. right now. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, like I say, it's not a, it's not a case of you know I'm kind of realistic in the sense of you know it's our our first pro- time really there as, yeah, as a pro yeah. and um there's i think there might be a bit of confusion about the media con event which is going on at the same time as well which may have confused some people yeah, a little bit as a um, fan
0: um and who's going there definitely is um so there's yeah people are confused as to tickets for the media con wondering whether you need to get tickets for the MediaCon to then get into the Rev Pro shows. I know you've said that. You yeah, don't. so
1: essentially independently, the show is the show is a part of the Wrestling MediaCon. Mm. It's a part of the festivities for that weekend, but the same way that our shows in America are the part of a WrestleCon weekend, but there's no obligation to purchase tickets for WrestleCon the same way there's no obligation to purchase tickets for MediaCon. Mm. You know, we're in the same building, so You know, if you're a wrestling fan and you're there, it makes sense for you to to want to go to MediaCon and see Pat Patterson and Dave Meltzer and X Pac and Colt Cabana and whoever else is, you know, at the MediaCon. But there's no, uh, like I say, there's there's no obligation to do that. It's a separate ticket for Revolution Pro Wrestling and it's a separate ticket for our meet and greets as well. So, even meet and greets, you don't need to. Originally, you were going to have to go into the convention. to meet the wrestlers who are on the show but even the meet and greets there's no there's literally no obligation to have a a ticket to the convention itself so it's it's an entirely independent event so whether that's you know whether that might be part of a confusion I don't know um but like I say it's again it's it's not it's not I don't want to make it be painted out like it's doom and gloom because it's not by (laughs) any stretch of the imagination it's doing absolutely fine but you know like uh if we were it's just if we were in London that yeah, you know the yeah. events i 'm confident with those like the lineups you've got are just insane crazy yeah. um and uh yeah, I think anyone who goes is going to you know have two real special nights of wrestling, and like to me, I really hope that it's something that you know we can put all over the place you know i i, I don 't just want to you know i think we it was kind of a statement going into Manchester with the, the big line mm. because obviously we could have put those shows in london and and kind of Gone with a safer yeah, lineup, yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel like it was a sign of intent. You know, we're we're very, very clear that we want to make um, you know Manchester a, a place where we can run shows on a semi regular basis, if not a regular basis. So I think to do that, you have to go with your best foot forward. And you know, we've we've said you know it, we're not bringing a B show. We're bringing one of the highlights of our calendar. In fact, it's one of my favourite events of the whole of last year. Um, it was the J Cup, and I think that this year's. Is um, going to top it in terms of like excitement, match quality, drama, every like every kind of um you know metric you can you can judge a wrestling show on. So yeah, very excited. Are we
0: going to get Marty Jones of Bodem finally paid off? Uh, absolutely <laughs> not. No, I don't think
1: my I don't think my insurance would cover that one. Ah, oh, um, a shame. I love yeah. that that moment that was at a, the end last year. Yeah, that was a that was a hell of a moment, wasn't it? Oh, it really
0: yeah. was. And so we've been uh, anticipating that match ever since. I got to say. Yeah, well,
1: I think. That, you know the scary thing is I think both of them would uh, would happily have a match, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah I think that's one of those things where um, two uh, two combustible and unpre- unpredictable elements such sure. as uh, Josh Bonham and Marty Jones. Um, I mean you saw like a uh, Josh swung that kick at Marty, but Marty tried to catch the leg, and that's what <laughs> you know. I think that's what, I don't know like
0: yeah. <laughs> I'd be well up to I, that I, one. I think,
1: well, I think I think Marty was. I think it, like, I think <laughs> You know, the jacket was off, wasn't it? He was he was good to go. Uh, he's still got, got another know. fight in him, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. Um, I was going to say as well with the media con, the actual opportunity for the media con was. Did you have the shows planned, or did were you approached by the organisers of the media? I uh, so we were.
1: We were approached by the organisers of media con. We had the British J Cup planned as being a part of our calendar, um, and it just so happened that, you know, they they approached us and said, "Oh, we've got this." You know, MediaCon Mm. happening um, these dates, and it kind of tied in with with what we were planning with a J Cup um, in terms of dates and schedules. Because obviously, as everyone knows, like it just it's hard, um, you know, getting availability for guys. Like, I think I've got myself into a fortunate position working in New Japan at the moment whereby um, New Japan have shows on that weekend, but we've still been able to get guys to work the show. Um, that's something that two years ago wouldn't have been possible, mm-hmm. but you know our relationship has grown to the extent that, that now we can kind of, you know, get stuff like that. So I think that's um, you know that's a that's a big thing for us um, being able to do. But like um, but yeah, getting the s- the scheduling to tie up. Everyone always says like, oh, have you come back? You know like one big one, we always go, when are you coming back to Reading, a Reading venue is massive, right? And like so we need to come back when we've got something worthwhile coming back and unfortunately every single time we've had that thing in our grasp that we can go to them with we go to them and they're like oh sorry that date's not available you can have this date though but like i just don't think it's mm. suitable for just not i wouldn't call it a b show because i don't believe any of our shows are b shows i think our shows at the london cockpit are some of the best shows that we put on but obviously it's limited to 200 people um so, but I again I think they hold up anywhere
0: and I think if you put
1: those shows They're my favourite
0: shows, my absolute favourite shows so, to go to.
1: And I think if you put those like, shows on your call it would resonate at your call as well. But then I think but then the issue is we have to sell the tickets and would that line up sell the tickets? And I I don't know, but I think the unfortunate reality is um when we don't have if we wouldn't if we didn't have the you know, the, the name guys on the shows, the ticket sales would certainly be uh slower sure um and i think that that's that's a battle you're constantly trying to to fight and i've i've always been about um you know using the using the big names using the big matches in order to draw people to the product to then um you know to then have their eyes opened by some of the other guys who are on the show so like for example the last your call show we did last week um, was it last week
0: yeah it was last wow. Friday
1: <laughs> it goes quickly doesn't it uh, so the show we did last week was headlined by Ishii and uh, and Walter but you know you had like Dan McGee and Josh Bodum as, as you know one of the, the strong matches on the show which um, obviously had been built up on our smaller shows but I want people to go for Walter and Ishii and then see that and be like oh Dan McGee's quite good isn't he mm-hmm. for someone I've never heard of before and then you know ultimately he becomes a guy like Josh Bodham, no one knew who Josh Bodoham was when he started wrestling on our shows and you can love him or you hate him, but like I you know I know there's a split opinion on him and like I've got an opinion on on Josh Bodum as a as a person and Josh Bodham as a professional wrestler but as a as a professional wrestler, I think Josh Bodham's fantastic, and I think that you know I think it's very rare that you look at one of his matches and you can say you weren't drawn into it and you can say it wasn't exciting you know um and I know that people. You know, like to draw assumptions as to who he is, and and you know what have you based upon the fact that you know he's, he's, he's well documented, he's not well liked in many circles, and as a result they decide to you know dislike his uh, <laughs> yeah. dislike his work, you know, but
0: which doesn't make sense to me because I don't know a massive fan of his in the ring, and I also think he's got a dynamic and a personality that no one else on the British scene abso- has, and something that think- feels almost. I, th- I hate to use this it's term, real, but real, yeah, yeah. And, and genuine, that's, and
1: that's that's the thing with him. Like he's, like I say, like when I called him a, I don't know, a, what's a ref- oh, combustible. I think I referred to <laughs> yeah. him as with Marty Jones, but like, um, but yeah, he's real. There's a sense of anything that can happen, anything can happen when he's in the ring, um, and, uh, and yeah, he generates. <laughs> again, yeah, it's it's almost like we're in a weird, a weird kind of place in wrestling in terms of like, it's almost like fans want to be, in on it. Yet yeah, when they, if they're, but they're not willing to play along unless it's their favourites.
0: Yeah, sure. Who are doing no, I know it? What you're
1: saying. So like, so again, it's I mean, it's a weird analogy, but like, it's kind of like the the world of wrestling is just wide open now, yeah, isn't no, it? No, I know what you're and saying. And it's almost like you know, if we like him, we pretend to dislike him, and there's no real. It's you like know.
0: um attack or Fight Club Pro. Um, Chris Brooks is you know great at the merch table, but then everyone's gonna boo him. Because yeah. he's been great to them at the merch table. Absolutely. And it's more of a it's more of
1: a it's more of a tongue in cheek boo-in than yeah, a like, absolutely. I actually dislike you. Whereas I think Josh gets that real element of real dislike. Yeah. And then yeah. you get people who'll be like, Hang on, you've misread that situation. It's not real dislike. We actually just dislike him and don't want to watch him wrestle. Like where does the line Do you know what yeah, I mean? Where yeah, does it yeah. where does it stop? Yeah. So um but to me, like I've always and I will always continue to book people based upon what I what value I feel they bring to the show. And I think, like I say, for my money, like Josh, he upset a lot of people when he came into wrestling. and he still upsets me a lot to this day. But <laughs> um, you know, when he's when he started out, he was eighteen, nineteen years old. Uh he's still very, very young in this business. And to think how good he is and how good he's got in that short amount of time, you know, is kind of scary. You know. Oh, yeah. um, and uh, yeah so i you know I, I, I don't know how we got onto
0: the subject of uh, of josh <laughs> but um, but yeah he's just a he's, he's one unique character yeah, he's a polar-
1: sure. polarizing polarizing figure
0: I think he does give Rev Pro uh, real uniqueness as well because he's not seen on a lot of the other more kind of um, how can I put it like internet based uh, UK wrestling promotions. So he does stand out a little bit more. I think when you do see on a Rev Pro card, and he is unique to Rev Pro for anything.
1: Yeah, and I, I like that, and I like to. I, I do want to have a, a unique and different roster to to every other promotion. Like obviously, there's going to be some crossover in guys, um, but like I remember, just uh, just for example, like. Um, a few years ago, when, uh, when I introduced Pete Dunne to shows, no one was using Pete Dunne at the time. Like, obviously, he was working Attack um, and maybe Fight Club Pro, uh, but no one was really you know, giving him a, a proper full on push. And he came in on the first night for me and won the weight Championship. And we kind of went all the way with Pete. Obviously, it doesn't take long before, and I'm not, again, I'm not taking any credit for his success at all, if that's what it comes across as, but, it, you know, it doesn't take long for someone as talented as Pete to open people's eyes, so, you know, the second that, you know, he has a high-profile match, boom, everyone's into him and he, he's working everywhere, so there's an element of that you can't escape from, you know, Will spray the same, you know. The second you see Will Ospreay wrestle, you know he's something special, and he's going to be everywhere. So that you know, so that's just one of the natures of the beast. There's certain guys who you know the, the the first time you see them wrestle, you're going to be like, wow, that guy's special. I want him on my show. So be it, you know, whatever promotion, um, you, they're going to see him or mm. see those guys and be like, right, we want them on our show. So like, so. Ne- there's always going to be that element of crossover sure. and you, all you've got to do is look at the you know look at the, you know some of the top promotions in the country and and you'll see you know and look at my roster compared to them and you'll see a lot there is a lot of crossover that's kind of to be expected but it's still nice to have some unique stars um and not mistake the fact that just because they work predominantly for me not to make that stat not to mistake the fact that they are still exceptionally good because to be on my shows it's a I always say it's another stand. I always talk to my trainees at the wrestling school, and so a lot of them get frustrated about, you know, they think they're progressing, and another promotion start to book them around the country, um, but then they can't understand why they're not on my shows yet, my main shows. They, they work the trainee shows, but then the, the main shows, is a, to me, it's another step up, which is kind of where we introduced a contenders division a few years back, um, which I think was successful in the sense that we were able to bring through uh, Curtis Chapman, Rob Lyas, Dan McGee as free. You know real standouts from from the you know the original crop um and then um you know so i feel that you know that's been successful but then there's other guys who've gone other routes like uh, there's guys like um i don't know like psycho phillips as an example who started out and like uh, the mentality behind him when he started out we teamed him with big demo um and he wasn't the finished article at all psycho phillips at this stage but figured you know working with another big man he'd kind of have mentor assaults and, you know, it would do him good. And unfortunately for him, he got injured. And then in the time he got injured, that's when Damo went on that crazy singles run where he kind of, uh, you know, he defeated Ishii, you know, he went with Nakamura and Tanahashi, um, you know, just had all those crazy singles matches. I remember one of these matches with Zack Sabre Jr. at the cockpit, which was just fantastic. And, uh, and then by the time Psycho Phillips was ready to come back, Damo there was nothing for him because Damo was kind of having that singles run and of course Damo went off to WWE mm. so then for him it was a case of like he had to kind of go back to the the drawing board so to speak and and work his way you know and it, 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 different routes in for everyone but he's to me he's worked his way up you know he's, he's been working around the country and he's got exceptionally good at professional wrestling and anyone who was at our live in Southampton show last week um and if you haven't, it's on demand just watch his match with the great O'Khan um who's another interesting uh, uh, character. Um, If you watch that match, I don't think there's any doubts that he's the real deal and he's going to be a huge, huge star in professional wrestling. But it's taken him a long while to get there. And along the way, there's a lot of frustration. How come I'm being booked here? How come I'm being booked there but not booked on your shows? Mm. And I'm just using him as an example. I'm not necessarily saying he came to me and said that, but that's, you know, in the training school, there's a lot of that. You know, James Castle's an example as well. He's someone who did... uh, He's I mean I guess their only their only faults were they got very good very quickly, perhaps too quickly, so they were in positions very high pressure situations that you know if they weren't if it was a, a year or two later, they'd be much better equipped to deal with those situations, like what happens when something goes wrong? what happens when the crowd just for lack of a better term poop all over you? what ha- do you know what I mean what, you know because they're not familiar with you, mm-hmm. you know how do you respond to that? You know, um, and um, and for him, he's, he's gone away, and he was always good, but like he's gone away and he's been working on his tag team with Dan Head. They came back a couple of months back, and, uh, and I think they're going to be a revelation in the tag team division. I genuinely believe it. And I think that, you know, so they're just gonna they're gonna be added to that list of guys, you know. Like again, very similar to like a, you know when Aussie Open first came in, no one knew who they were, but it didn't take them long to establish themselves mm-hmm. as just a killer tag team and now they've got themselves into a position where I believe you look at Aussie Open, I look at Aussie Open anyway, as a main event tag team now, you know. I think they've been the best um, tag
0: team in for my money, the best tag team in the country this year in terms of work and everywhere in terms of in killer matches of everyone as well. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see him maybe in Tag League at the end of the year. Well, so would I. That's a possibility. Um,
1: but, like, again, I, they worked uh, Tanahashi and Juice Robinson in New Orleans, and uh, Tanahashi was very impressed by them. Awesome. Um, which is high, high praise. Um, and Carl Fletcher, I never even realised till we were in New Orleans when he wasn't allowed out. Uh, Carl Fletcher's only 19 years old, <laughs> which is ludicrous. It's unbelievable. And, uh, and he was a skinny guy as well, but he's like, Tanahashi, like well, he might say someone else's, you know, given him the, the talk, but well, I swear it was Tanahashi, he sat him down, and he sort of, you know told him, he needs to get bigger. If you look at his physique in New Orleans, to his physique now, you can visibly yeah, see yeah. the improvement, you know, um, and I think that that, then helped Curtis Chapman, give him a kick up the arse, <laughs> you know, um, because he's obviously, extremely talented, but, he's obviously very skinny, and, he had obviously through the contender division he was kind of masked and he had that uh, you know he could have you know he was able to um, you know just let his wrestling do the talking for him but then it was almost like when he got the Cruiserweight Championship it was the right time for him to get the championship in terms of his story arc Mm. but when it it came on to him defending it he was kind of put the magnifying glass on him and he hadn't put on any size, you know and I think a lot of it is and again, this is, again, I don't even know how we how we get onto these topics, but I think a lot of it is um, just because it, with modern-day wrestling, a lot of people say there's a, you know it's not a body business anymore, which it's not. It's not a body business anymore. However, the more boxes you can tick, the better off you're going to be. Sure. And I think that aesthetics is a very big box to tick. And I'm not saying everyone needs to look huge, everyone needs to be Lex Luger, all right? <laughs> but what I'm saying is you need to... you. No, I wish someone like Curtis is like you need to see the evolution yeah so it's not yeah, just I'm with you you know and I think that he's starting to show that now um and again it's not something which is going to happen overnight you know he's not going to wake up and be massive right but you're seeing a gradual evolution um and I think that you know Carl Fletcher's kick gave him a kick and hopefully they can look at competition for each other and keep <laughs> you know keep yeah, yeah. keep progressing and moving forward because in the ring Curtis I tell you he can wrestle circles around most people so um, you know I think he's going to be yeah an exceptional talent moving
0: forwards as well when are you next going to have Tanahashi and Curtis Chapman on the same card perhaps that's the kick uh, well, that I RC know, yeah. I
1: mean I've been trying to get Tanahashi <laughs> on a card for ages now so
0: uh, so yeah fingers crossed
1: yeah uh, yeah it's funny like yeah I always like last time I saw Tanahashi he was like please bring me back to England please please it's like yep yeah. Absolutely no problem, and uh, but then he was, he was scheduled to come over for um, strong style of Wolf shows, and then he got a TV commitment in Japan, um, a live TV commitments. So we had oh, to do. Right. It. He's quite a he's quite a celebrity in real life, so that's another thing that people don't you know seem to to get. Like I can't get Macarbay at all. Oh, because he's, he's like, like an actual like mainstream
0: celebrity is it in him Japan. And are, uh, like uh, real mainstream celebrities, or something. I, like, do... I don't think
1: Homer's as big a deal as Makabe. Makabe will do like a, uh, he will do like daytime TV. You know, he'll be like you know the equivalent of This Morning or whatever. Good Morning Britain and. You know, he'll do, like, proper mainstream Japanese TV.
0: So like. is he, like, the Eamon Holmes of Japan oh, Maybe, maybe. <laughs>
1: but, like, he's, he's literally just impossible to, to, to tie down because the schedule is yeah, just so yeah. hard. Um, but Tanahashi is, like, a legitimate celebrity. Um, so he had that TV appearance, and then he was scheduled to come over again later on this year. Um, and uh, But his, his movie's coming out. So we've not been able to get him for that weekend we wanted to later in the year either because his movie's coming out. So like I say, it's not like for the want of trying. He wants to come over. We want him to come over, but he's just such a busy man. And I said, look back at interviews. I always say, um, I never say stuff I don't believe, and I never, I never, I never lie in interviews, and I always, I'm always straight shooting, right? That's but, why we love your podcast. Um, oh it just gets me in a lot of trouble. That does, but uh, we we'll get into that later. But um, but um, Tanahashi, when I first brought over Tanahashi, if you look at. The sales, I call it a sales pitch, but it was just me telling it like I saw it. Like I said to said to everyone, you know, what you need to remember is when we're bringing over Tanahashi, he is, at the time, it was 2013, 2013 yeah, it October was, 2013, was, yeah. so, so at the time, he is the equivalent of, of John Cena, in 2013 is John Cena, and I'm talking about, you know, top guy in WWE, you know doing all the make-or-wishes, doing all the, the films, doing, you know, all the TV appearances, the public appearances, you know, Tana, that's Tanahashi to New Japan Pro Wrestling, right? And I said, like, at the time, the world's just kind of changing a lot, it is, but, like, at the time, the only time we'd ever get to see WWE superstars was when they were washed up you know, they've had their run in WWE and now they just want to make some money, so they're coming for the nostalgia run, right? And that's, that was literally the only time we'd ever get to see WWE stars performing in an intimate environment. Because obviously you can go and watch WWE, they're over here more than ever, but like, you know, in a real intimate environment where you get to meet and have your picture taken with them and you get to see them perform up close and personal, right? They're always washed up, but we're getting the equivalent of John Cena in his absolute prime. Um, so it's a real once in a lifetime opportunity to see these guys compete and we're in a very privileged situation to be able to to work with the second biggest wrestling promotion in the entire world and bring the best wrestlers in the world to the united kingdom so our fans get to see them on you know it's got to the stage where it's almost more expected than you know than oh this is a great treat you know it's, it's kind of it blows my mind to think that that would have ever become something which would be a thing whereby you know we bring over okada and everyone's like well who else have you got <laughs> you know um but like it's a, yeah it's just craziness uh, the, the world we live in and i think that it speaks volumes for the fact of how spoiled we all are as wrestling fans i think in this also country. the job
0: that you've done as well in- being able to form that relationship with New Japan and bring those guys over so often, um, I think the one I was shocked at was a couple of years ago when you did the Wolfham Stowe Assembly Hall show and the York Hall show. And you had like Nagata and Honma on the show. And those are guys I and I think Ishii was on the show. I never, I never expected to see Honma yeah, well, in the UK. So that's
1: what that's one of my big things about so. Um, so when we did the the glo- when we do the global Wars shows, like it gives me an opportunity to bring over, you know you know, the the kind of uh, mid-card, card, card upper-mid-card guy, you know, like, essentially, the only guys that ever come over would be, like, you know, the top guys, because from a marquee standpoint, but I think when you bring over, the you know, a few guys, it gives you an opportunity to bring over guys like a Honma, like a Nagata, who's, like, a legend. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. And, like, like, I think what's great about that, it's, like, I love using, like, Tiger Mask and Jushin Liger, mm-hmm. because, like, when they come over here, they get such great respect, and, like, for example, Jushin Liger, for me, is, like just such a huge legend in Japan. Like he's obviously an opening match guy, but here, like he came over here last year and won the British J cup. It was huge. He worked Josh Bodham in a match, which everyone was scared about. And, uh, fan- what, honestly though, what a fantastic match that was, you know, like I think that, you know, that's another, I, I'm not here just to put Josh Bodham over, <laughs> <laughs> but like that was a, you know, that was a great, great match, you know, uh, at Summer Sizzler last year. Um, and, uh, and, and Shishin Lago getting that reception, he, he loves getting that reception you know and uh, and I think it's always I think I'm lucky to have been able to use him as much as I've been able to use him across the years and you always think like oh how many more times how many more opportunities am I going to get to work with him because he is an absolute mm. legend and a professional wrestler an absolute pleasure to work with um, so uh, you know I think uh, I think I've probably brought him over every year since the first yeah, time I, time I bought times. him since 2013 the yeah. only
0: Your Cool Show I ever missed was the first one in 2013 because I was seeing Bruce Springsteen that day and I already oh, had my ticket when you announced the show. What a dilemma, the I, boss I was, eh? I was gutted I had to miss Liger, yeah. one legend to see another legend at Wembley Stadium that day but yeah I think I've seen Liger multiple times but at your shows, I've never seen him yeah. on anyone else's shows before. And
1: that's, uh, that's cool and, like, uh, and I like the fact we're able to deliver unique matches for him as well and the guys and the boys love working him like Chris Brooks. Buzzing to be working
0: him next week at your call, um, and he's in Pom. You've got him in Pompey as well, himself, right? Yeah, because yeah, I, yeah. I can't make that show. And Unbelievable. Being from the south ludicrous. coast, I'm, a, I'm at the show the next day. <laughs> uh, but being from the south coast, I was sort of like, ah, oh, Liger in Pompey. Like yeah, this is a ludicrous, treat. isn't it? Absolutely ludicrous. Shoot, soon it um, will be there in '65. Um, yeah, right.
1: <laughs> um, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we need to increase the capacity of the eighteen sixty five by about five hundred people. And then, we, then we'll talk, or increase the ticket prices by about ten times. It? Yeah,
0: most definitely. Um, I was going to ask you as well because we're talking about your new Japan relationship. Are you able to give us any details about what that relationship is, about how it was formed, about the um, kind of growth of that relationship, if anything? Yes,
1: yeah, so it's. Uh, I guess it all started with a a man. Have you heard of Prince Devitt before? <laughs> you heard of him.
0: Yeah, it's like the guy who's uh, wearing makeup in WWE. That's the one, yeah. Year? Yeah,
1: the first ever Universal Champion. Um, he was also the undisputed British Cruiserweight Champion for uh, uh, about a six, seven, eight-month period. Um, was it that? So he won it in November, defeated another guy you might have heard of called Marty Scurll, um, the villain. <laughs> um, he he won it in November and he lost it in... i us say like maybe just before he just before he left maybe July of that year maybe the following year so he held the Cruiserweight championship for a while um but and before that I started using him um I'd, I'd wanted to use fergal for years um but again he was a, another busy boy obviously with his tours of new japan and everything um but I think I st- so I started using him um in his last year of being a you know a a real baby face and obviously the final year of his <laughs> life with New Japan as a real rock and roller, leader of the Bullet Club. Um, so uh, so yeah, so we worked with him quite a lot um, and the idea was put to me to use Jushin Liger and of course, the person I knew who could uh, give me a contact for that was Fergal. So I spoke to Fergal, he set things up with Tiger Hattori, um, who's also a legend, um, I don't know how he does, the amount of stuff he does. Um, he's obviously quite old and he just bounces across the world backwards and forwards. You see him, you know, and you'll see him referee in those new Japan shows, you know, you never know where he is. Um, America, Mexico, Japan, England, he's, he's a all over the place, Tiger. Um, but he, uh, he, uh, set me up with Tiger, um, you know, put me forward as a, you know, he's a solid person to work with and, you know, trustworthy person to work with. Um, and, uh, and we bought in Jushin Liger for that show. Um, obviously, in my mind, I wanted to open the relationship with New Japan. Um, now, I kind of set out, so I was a, you know, a big fan of the product, but I only really got into the product like massively since, a, I wanna say maybe the year before. Um, the year before I started watching the product a lot but that year's Tokyo Dome main event, I believe, was Okada and
0: Tanahashi. So like the 2013 Tokyo.
1: Dome. Yes. Yeah, because I started that, watching
0: tail end of 2012 myself.
1: Um, yeah, so I started watching at the start of two like started watching regularly start of 2012, and the that Tokyo Dome show at the start of 2013 was where I was just like, wow, this is this is professional wrestling, you know. And that was that was really at, around the turning point for New Japan, I guess yes in the sense of so Okada came back was it 2011 or 2012 2012, so he he came came back 2012 and and like and I remember because I was like because I was into um, you know like I said I followed New Japan but I remember Okada turned up I remember when he beat Tanahashi for the championship everyone's like this is crazy this is too soon (laughs) you know this is you know and obviously everyone only knew him from his his TNA run right Um, and then like I remember watching that Tokyo Dome show and I was like wow this is this is a type of professional wrestling that reminds me of why I love professional wrestling you know and from that point forward I've just been constantly into New Japan and like I tell you the guy that I saw the first time I saw a guy and I was like wow this is my new favourite wrestler was Shinsuke Nakamura so when I was watching New Japan and like for me I've never seen anything like it in terms of so I guess we take him for granted now because he's so exposed to us on a a national basis um, in terms of WWE but just the way he walks to the ring, you know the, the movements, or the, you know Michael Jackson-esque yeah. movements. He's just complete, a hundred percent commitment to his character. You know, I was just like, that is the guy, right? And um, I actually remember, I remember, I even texted Fergal at the time. I was like, I've just seen my new favourite wrestler. <laughs> right? And um, so, uh, yeah, that so, so and and it took a lot to be able to translate through because obviously at the time there wasn't we weren't as privileged as we are now with, you know, the English commentary and stuff. So you, everything was just Japanese commentary. It wasn't until maybe a year or two later that they started with the English commentary. Um, and he just, you didn't need any commentary to know this guy's a superstar, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, um, and I, and I kind of had a blueprint of like, so I want to bring over, um, like first, because he's someone who's I think got a bit of a mainstream crossover. Since he was in WCW, yeah. people know who he was from that, and just the costume. And you he know, done Ring of Honor a few years um, before, and I think a, okay, a yeah, lot yeah, of the yeah. fan
0: base were coming. Where a lot of the fan base I know of Rev Pro were big Ring of Honor fans, the mid two thousands as well. Yeah, so so,
1: so you know he's a real he is a legend in the sport of professional wrestling. So I thought he'd be the perfect person to begin with, right? And at the time, and bearing in mind, I knew that New Japan Pro Wrestling at the time very different it's turned the level of exposure in this country to what it is now. So again, like I said, I had to do the hard sell on Tanahashi, but I knew Tanahashi was the next guy that I wanted. And, uh, and my childhood hero growing up was Bret Hart. And uh, and I look at Bret Hart as being the, the greatest wrestler of his generation. Um, and just because he was just so real in everything he did, just the realism in his matches and whatever have you. And I feel like with Bret Hart, he was like, Tanahashi, to me, was a, the new version of Bret Hart. So I did a deal where we had Bret Hart and Tanahashi in the ring at the same time, and Bret Hart raised Tanahashi's arm because you had, like, you know, the best wrestler of his generation, the best wrestler of the current generation, side by side. It was all about making those moments. But Tanahashi was the second guy I knew I wanted to get, and I knew I needed to market him as the best wrestler in the world in order to, you know... um kind of get him, in, in order to get him over, so to speak. And like, it's very clear, you watch a, if you watch a show, um, he's working, he works Marty Skull Uprising 2013. If you watch a show, it's very clear. Um, when he comes out, say there's a thousand people there. So maybe 300 people know who he is and I give him that response, right? But because of that response from those 300 people, everyone else around him kind of gets involved and buys into it. And then when Tanahashi walks through the curtain, He's he knows how to carry himself. You can tell he's a superstar. The way he walks. I remember he's like when I met him in person. I was just like, this guy's got the coolest walk I've ever seen, right? As well as a beautiful head of hair, um, and uh, and just the way he walks and carries himself. And he's like superstar straight away. Everyone's bought into him. So Tanahashi was the second guy I bought over, and then it was Shinsuke Nakamura for obvious reasons that I spoke about. It's like I knew people would be receptive to him. And then last but not least, Okada. And once those four guys had been over, that was New Japan exposed to an audience in our country. Now we can start bringing more guys from the roster over. And I think that it was almost a curiosity as well. Because when these guys come over, so for example, when Nakamura comes over, you want to go and look at some of these matches and again, it's almost like the reversal of what I was talking about earlier in terms of, like, I want people to come to our shows to see the big matches and see our guys. But, like, some people might have seen Nakamura and been like, oh, let's watch a New Japan show with Nakamura on because that guy was phenomenal. Then all of a sudden they've seen Kushida and they've seen, you know, like just, you know, guys that they know and, not know, but guys, you know, guys, new guys, new exciting wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And it's always fun when you see a wrestler for the first time and, just how innovative and exciting they are and when you learn their moves and then you can get suckered into the near falls and all stuff like that. So I think it just opened up another world to a lot of our fans. Um, and then New Japan, of course, have done a fantastic job of doing that themselves with the New Japan World Service. Um, and um, uh, and as well, in terms of guys like the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, you know, bringing the, the Western fans into into New Japan Pro Wrestling because obviously, you know, it, People know the Young Bucks, so they will go and watch the Young Bucks match. And I'm sure the Jericho and Omega match this year also opened the door mm. to so many new New Japan fans. Um, so I guess on a, we're trying to do on a smaller scale what they did with Jericho and Omega. I wish we could do Jericho and Omega; <laughs> it'd be uh, it'd be tremendous. But you
0: know, I think it, you'd sell at Wembley Stadium, that, with that, that possibly. Be, <laughs> well, I'd, I'd
1: like to think that, yeah. But um, but yeah, that's uh, I think that we, you know that's what we're essentially trying to do. You know, the same thing they did with that. You know, they they brought in Jericho. To, to bring in those mainstream eyes, but then they knew that on that card you also had whatever other matches there were on the card. Oh who, who was on that who else was on that card? It was uh It was Okada. No, oh an and yeah, yeah. yeah, that was great. Um and uh it, obviously Tanahashi, Tanahashi, Jay White just I, but and I think that's again. well I we'll get into that another time, but like I get I think I think it was just a fantastic way to bring in Jay White as a you know and I, again a lot of people never bought into Jay White because I don't know, like, the, for whatever reason, a lot of people never bought into Jay White as that, you know, someone who can be on the level of Tanahashi, but a lot of people never bought into Okada as someone who can be on the level of Tanahashi. Mm-hmm. And all I say is, look at Jay White at the end of his G1. Look at people's perception of Jay White at the moment. You know He got one of the biggest reactions at our Strong Style Evolved shows. In fact, his meet-and-greets, despite the fact he'd, he'd worked extensively for us in the past, or so a lot of our fan bases has already met him, his meet-and-greets were fourth... In terms really? of like you know of the of the what was it 16, 18 guys that came over, do you mind if I ask who was ahead of him? Um, number one was Okada, yeah. number two was Suzuki, um, number three I'm going to say was Ishii. Uh,
0: okay, wow, that's pretty impressive um, I've
1: say. So Jay White was number four.
0: So at the moment with your relationship with New Japan, it's kind of in good stead. Do You feel like it's in a good place. Oh, that was a question in the first place, wasn't it? it? Was, so yeah, yeah. no. It's
1: a, so so it's, it's kind of a, so yeah. So like I said, like we were, like that was my kind of strategic thing in terms of bringing them in, and then like then, then boom, everyone knows who they are now and and whatever. And just each year we've just tried to grow it and evolve it just that little bit further. So whether it uh, be, um, you know, bringing more guys over. the global war show because obviously it started off bringing one two guys at a time and doing the global war shows um you know to run in the full new japan setup um to having championship defenses in japan having shibata hold our championship belt um to now having suzuki hold our championship belt to have them do storylines on their shows which feature our championships I couldn't believe we you know. got
0: the Iji Suzuki match in England after they set up the angle yeah in Japan, in Japan right how that crazy is that and that's
1: a and that's a type of um, you know with the world we live in now I think that's the coolest thing about it is that it, the world's a local place so like despite the fact that yes that happened in the UK everyone in Japan were able to watch it on New Japan World, you know, and the angle happened in Japan, but everyone, uh, everyone in England were able to watch it on New Japan World. You know, when uh, when Shibata fought Ospreay for the championship belt and when Zach fought Shibata to win the championship belt in Japan, those matches were on RPW On mm-hmm. Demand. So, you know, it's just crazy. The world is a, a much more local place, and I think it's great that we can have a bit of synergy between ourselves and, and we can, you know, I, I've, I'm under no illusions at all. New Japan, like obviously the the big brother in this situation, you know, we're, we're just their little mate, but, um, mm-hmm. but, um, the, the, the relationship's beneficial for both our parties in terms of, you know, we're able to open the UK's eyes to the new Japan product. We're able to provide official, an official outlet for them to sell their merchandise within the United Kingdom. Um, and us having our guys on their shows, um, really helps our guys grow their exposure. Um, it's led to great things for like Zack Sabre Jr. Um, Will Ospreay. Um, obviously, Marty Myers was more through, obviously, his work with Ring of Honor, but, you know, it's still, you know, it's uh, it's kind of led to some great things and I hope, I hope there's, you know, the doors open for more guys in the future to go to New Japan and, and really excel.
0: Do you feel a sense of pride as well that you were able to give them a platform here, say like, a card or and Ospreay in Reading, um, got Osprey from what I've always Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, Japan. absolutely.
1: Like, I'm like I'm always happy to be able to help guys and help give guys a platform. I just, I, I always, you know, I always want guys to keep moving forwards and and progressing their careers. I think the the nicest thing about the new Japan relationships is that we're still able to use the guys. So like, for example, you know, Will's gone to Japan, but he's still able to come back and wrestle the occasional match for us um, and and kind of be a semi-regular for us still. Um, So that's, you know, I I love that. Um, But yeah, I'm always happy. Like it doesn't matter if, you know, even if the guys go to WWE, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled for them, you know. Like um, I'm so happy to see how well Zach Gibson's doing for for WWE or uh, NXT UK at the moment, you know. Because for me, he's best value for money in this country, you know. Like uh, just phenomenal. I knew Pete was gonna was gonna kill it in that in in NXT and WWE UK or what you know, whatever you're calling it. But like, uh, you know, I'm super happy for those guys. So um, to give them a platform to perform on, you know, my my goal has always remained the same, which is I want to be able to provide something where they can, you know, where guys in this country can earn a legitimate form of income. I want to be, provide a platform for guys in this country to not just to, to be like, I'm happy being in the United Kingdom, not being like, you know, Oh, I, I want to be here to get to somewhere else, you know? Yeah. Um, sure. So, and, and I'm under no illusions that it's, it's a, we're a long, long way from that happening. Right. But I've said to everyone, I'm a, I'm in this for a lot the long haul, and we're going to lose guys. We're always going to lose guys. There's no, you know, it just that's just a reality mm-hmm. of life, you know. Um, so, and it's unfortunate when we lose guys. It is unfortunate. I'm not going to stand here and be like, oh, I'm so happy to have lost <laughs> Travis Banks, right? Of course, I'd like to use Travis Banks. If I could use Travis Banks, I'd, you know, it would be great, but you know, that's just the reality of, of the situation. He he needs to move forward with his career. To move forward, he's gone to, um, to NXT UK and and one of the stipulations they have is they can't work with pro shows. So that's just, you know, that's just life, you know. So it's a great opportunity for him but what I think is the most exciting thing for me is that, or not not so much for me but like for, for the other guys is it gives them an opportunity to step up and be counted, sure. you know. Um, and I think that that's, that's where the real excitement lies when, you know, when sure someone might not, no longer be able to appear on on my shows, but then like that gives an opening for someone like a, uh, I don't know, like a Dan McGee to step up and be counted, you know, look at who else, you know, like Walter has obviously come storming through, um, you know, and that was an opening which was created through some of the guys no longer being able to work for for myself. Um, Arrows of Hungary are a team who, uh, you know, for me, they're a complete tag team act, which you you rarely see in the you know like t- like just I love tag team wrestling so to have a team who are you know a proper tag team I think that's great you know similar to the Hunter brothers who we're you know starting to use a lot more who I think are just great again and I think they're two of the most um,
0: underrated guys out there I've been for a long time yeah absolutely
1: as well. absolutely um, and you know like and it's it's no it's no you know it's no coincidence that. Uh, you know, Aussie Open have stepped up their game massively and that, you know. But again, it's those openings leading to them getting into those positions, you know. So um so there's nothing again, there's nothing wrong with uh, you know, losing guys from here here or there for that to happen. But, you know, ultimately, like I say, like my goal is to be able to have a uh, have a place where we can provide regular Work a regular income for our professional wrestlers, and I mean, we're never going to be as big as WWE ever. Uh, that's not the goal. The goal is to provide something which is sustainable for everyone, something that everyone within our country can be proud of. And something that you know, my big thing the reason I got into this in the first place is well documented is the fact that I used to go to crappy British wrestling shows when I was little and I used to be embarrassed about uh, about you know the state of the show so was, you know it'd be like a former WWE guy on the show but it'd be a rinky dink ring often on a stage scared it's going to fall off the ropes are like you know literally it's like Jake like,
0: Roberts the older shot years that sort yeah, of yeah well
1: kind of just before then before okay. then really yeah so um, but you know like that kind of generation it was yeah, a few yeah. years before then i started going to shows and like of course you had your your great wrestlers on the show i remember robbie brookside being always one of the highlights for shows drew mcdonald always one of the highlights um you know um and those guys like a i don't know like you know like young johnny storm and jody fleisch when yeah, he was about yeah, 10 right. years old you know like
0: the first uh, indie match in i ever eyes. saw was johnny storm and aj styles and the wrestling channel from one of the uprising Up like, yeah yeah, yeah FWA, and was yeah. like in straight away from that moment I was going to ask you as well since we're sort of on the subject, where do you see Rev Pro's position in British wrestling right now because obviously we spoke about NXT UK and that's going on, we've got World of Sport going on as well, I'm not sure I can't see World of Sport being renewed for another season, who knows, it's up in the air but where do you see your position um, as a company right now? What do you think you bring to this to the British scene? Let's at the moment, say? I think
1: we're just trying to maintain our foothold within the the United Kingdom. Obviously, the country is very oversaturated for professional wrestling at the moment. There's no secret about that. Like, and and I think that you know, it's a testament to the hard work of you know. Promotions like ourselves, Progress Wrestling, ICW, Fight Club Pro, um, you know, like Attack. I went to an Attack show at Christmas. I had a great time. Um, but you know, like I think promotions like you know have put in a lot of hard work to put British wrestling on the map, and I think that we've done our part in putting British wrestling on the map, like a big part of you know just bringing the international scene. What I think what uh, what was funny was when we were in over in America. Um, WrestleMania time was that the fans in America seemed I don't know how to they seemed more uh Rev Pro was a bigger deal to the fans in America than the fans in the UK. Right, okay. Right. Um and that was just the vibe that I got, but like it was but I wasn't imagining it. I was asking people, I was with, I was like, is that you know, and I was amazed about how you know, just a kind of um yeah, the 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 international perception that we have, you know. Um so um within the united kingdom i think like i say we're just trying to maintain that um our footing here like obviously um is you know it's been well documented about the the, you know the wwe uk staff and the guys not being able to work our shows um so i guess that makes us a perceived threat to wwe which i don't believe we are in any way shape or form um you know i've i've stated time and time again like for me like isn't it's no secret again i've i've had discussions with wwe there's no you know there's no secret about that um and and i always thought we were on good terms um not in a position where i could um how to put it so when we spoke originally obviously there was a talk about a conflict of interest with my new japan relationship when we spoke again um it was almost a case of, well that all of that stuff can be sorted out afterwards, but let's just explore where we can you know, where we can work together. Um but when uh you know, when there's uncertainty about the future, there's no definitive this is gonna happen, that's gonna happen, there's a bit of an uncertainty mm. put towards you. And when you know, when 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 someone says to you, um, you know, like uh this would be the deal, again there was no there was no deal offered, there was no, to, to make it perfectly clear, it was just discussions, you know, um, and when, 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 when it's kind of, you know, you know, this is what we're kind of feeling out in discussions, and it's like, you know, we want the opportunity to lease footage for the network, um, and then there's a, you know, with an option to buy, and it's like, okay, well, an option to buy the footage, no, the promotion as a whole, so, well, what would happen to the promotion, that's to be determined. What would happen to, um, you know, what would happen to, um, you know, myself, or would I would I continue to work for you? Would it, you know? Would that still be to, to be determined? So, you know, to me, when there's that level of uncertainty, yeah. I've worked. I've worked my entire life, like literally since a child. I've worked. I promoted my first wrestling show. I think when I was seventeen years old. Oh wow! Thirty two now. <laughs> so like you know, I've worked my whole adult life yeah. within this business i started refereeing shows when i was 16 maybe 15 16 years old right my whole life has been dedicated to professional wrestling and trying to build something and further it and like i'm not going to you know i so for me like it's 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 just important to to stay true to to myself and what i'm trying to build and i'm not going to jump because three big letters are coming towards me. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I'm completely flattered by the fact that they did. And I wish, in, from my perspective, I wish we could have talked more rather than not talked anymore, assume everything's okay, then all of a sudden, well, these guys can't work for you anymore. You know, it would have been nice to have kept that open communication. Yeah. Um but i you know it's at the end of the day it's their business it's their prerogative the same way it's my business is my prerogative to to do what i do you know yeah, yeah. Um, but like uh, but for me it's all about it's all about um what's the word i'm looking for it's about trying to uh preserve british independent professional mm. wrestling it's about trying to further british independent professional wrestling and don't get me wrong like i completely Recognize and accept that you know all the guys that go on to work for WWE. That's a big part of British independent professional wrestling, and and, and flying the flag for British independent professional wrestling. And I'm sure we'll do well off the back of that back end of it anyway, because you see Travis Banks do well. Like, oh, where can we see more Travis Banks matches? I've got a catalog full of them. You know, <laughs> so um, come my way, all right. But um, you know, I'm, so I'm sure. So don't get me wrong. I'm sure in that respect it's it's gonna be great to continue to put eyeballs on on the British wrestling scene, but at the same time we need to make sure there's still a scene
0: underneath. Yeah, so still yeah, yeah. you know, so
1: still wrestlers coming through, still wrestlers being able to being afforded the opportunity. Because like that's a big thing for me. Like the guys the guys get the opportunity. Every single time someone works with someone who is better than they are, they improve. They mm. take something away from that that match. Be it a piece of advice or be it you know um observing how to, to um to handle yourself backstage or in the ring or you know you always learn by working people better than you mm. and by working a different diversity of cultures and I'm all about um international wrestling so we've we've opened up the um the doors with CMOL um, obviously our last York call show we had Soberano and Teton um and Obviously, they worked each other, so it didn't really help the guy. But like you know, it opened the fans' eyes. I hope sure. to another yeah, style yeah. of professional wrestling. But then at the you know at the um, you know at the eighteen sixty five, they then worked one uh, Teton worked uh, Adam Brooks and uh, David Starr worked uh, Soberano, which was a match which I'd recommend going people going out their way to see as well. Um, but like it's educating people to another style of professional wrestling and. That's what I'm all about. I love it. I love the international flavour that professional wrestling be, uh, uh, brings about.
0: I think that's where, for for my money and like the people that I go to shows with and my, my friends are fans, we want that independent professional wrestling in the UK. We don't want NXT UK necessarily. The WWE style, to me, I've got a network there that I can watch that over and over again. I don't want to see these British guys who I'm a big fan of I'm happy for them, but I don't want to see them work in that WWE style, um, which I find is almost overproduced at this stage. Whereas I think you've got that niche where you are introducing people who are more curious about wrestling and wanting more of a diversity from their wrestling. And I think at the moment you're doing the best job in the UK of actually presenting that to fans as well. So for, for me, I think you're, you've got that niche, and I think that you're always going to have that real spot in the UK scene where you can bring those guys in, where you can educate people in different styles, new wrestlers that are coming into the scene as well, bringing guys over. So I think you've got a great place in the market.
1: And something I'll say as well on that, is um, that hybrid wrestlers are a new thing. You know, like, the guys, you know, like, let's dial it back to when Colt Cabana came to England and Brian Danielson came to England to learn the UK style of wrestling. They then took that to America and then everyone starts doing the British style of, of wrestling. Is that
0: when they know? went through like the Johnny so, Saints stage? Yeah, everyone doing the, jo- the, the Johnny Saints spots. Yeah. And,
1: uh, and, like, and 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 like just like you're kind of, you know, like uh, just they've learned from from over here and now. And then people over there have been able to use that stuff. And Doug Williams, obviously, a lot of people, you know, he went to America. And a lot of people copied Doug Williams, his, uh, you know, his stuff. Um, but... Um, so Americans started to do, you know, some a lot more technical, map-based wrestling and intertwined it with their style of wrestling. But then, like, you know, you get a Japanese influence. So you get a bit more strong-style hard-hitting involved with that. But then you get the Mexican influence. You get a bit more high-flying. So you get some of these crazy wrestlers who are just... So the the biggest example I'll give is Will Ospreay. This guy can do anything, right? See him in hardcore matches, nails it. You know, see him in storyline-driven matches where he doesn't leave his feet. I saw him go hold for hold with Zack Sabre Jr. You know, like, literally he can do absolutely anything is it like, people look at him as, as he's just a spectacular high flyer but he's not he's an all-arounder all and uh, and i think that that's a, that's a testament to the amount of people that he's worked with and the diversity of different styles he's worked with so we're, we're almost when those guys come over it's just helping aid our guys development into mm-hmm. becoming those those all all-arounders um but yeah in terms of like our, our position i yeah i want this to be seen as that that promotion that gives you something a little bit different it gives you that international flavor a lot of people a criticism often levied my way is you know you're a british wrestling promotion why have you got so many international guys it's british j cup there's only four guys from britain in the cup right
0: that's such a closed-minded attitude absolutely absolutely.
1: absolutely and my and my mentality as well is british wrestling throughout history right has always been about international flavors international characters so if you watch world of sport back in the day you've always got foreigners who are on the shows. Look at Bret Hart. Cowboy Bret Hart, you know? Owen Hart. You know, Even Trishin Liger when he was Fuji Yamada, you know. Like always got that foreign flavour and it's always been about that British style tested against sure. you know some of the, the international flavors so in many ways i feel despite the fact that you know you could be like oh well you use too many international guys in many ways i feel that you know we are we're staying true to british wrestling british wrestling's roots in that respect um and at the same time like you say it is a close-minded attitude wrestling is an international language anyone can understand professional wrestling and i think it should be celebrated and uh, and i think that bringing that diversity of nationalities cultures all into the same place at the same time i just think that's uh you know i think that's crazy good and i think that's a it's a big unique selling point and i think that you know i think that that's the type of thing that um the mainstream press should be uh looking at you know thinking looking at the diversity of cultures we're bringing together
0: yeah i don't disagree with you one bit i think it's a really good point um i wonder whether we'll see that diversity of culture on british tv Sometime soon. You um, might. Don't know how much you're allowed to say about the um, TV deal, um, but obviously there's stuff going on in the works right now. You've got the show set up at York Hall. Um, what are you allowed to tell us at this point?
1: Well, I'm happy to tell you anything you want, apart from I can't at the moment. I can't divulge a channel. By sure. the time I'm not sure when this is going out. Like I've been told, hopefully by tomorrow, Tuesday we can. Uh, we it's going to be announced, but okay. it's going to be the channel that announces. Uh, my understanding is it'll be the channel that announces it not Good, us yeah. um i just don't want to get in trouble what's the point Absolutely. In it? Yeah. but in saying that it's frustrating because i would like to be able to announce it because we are going to a real television channel it's not uh it's not an internet do you want to make it clear it's not an internet service it's not a streaming service it's a it's a real it's a real television channel that we're going to um and um yeah, so we're, we're taping next week at your call. We, do, we t- tried to turn this around in three weeks' notice like crazy men. Um, Did it just cut,
0: literally come out of nowhere?
1: No. no. So uh, <laughs> so so they approached us a couple of months ago. And it, when I say it, it has essentially come out of nowhere in the sense of a turnaround time from the first yeah. conversation to now has come. Um, and after initial conversations, we booked the venue in terms of your call. It was originally going to be three nights, which you know, I don't know what I was thinking you know take three nights of, <laughs> but like um, we we put the venue after the initial conversations Then it was a case of right we just need to finalise the details and then once it's finalised we can announce the shows um, and then but one of the big things that I wanted to do was make sure we announced a TV channel it's going on with the announcement but I wanted to make sure that we didn't do it we, we didn't jump a gun with anything I wanted mm. to make sure that you know and I, and I felt that as well there'd be a lot more validation coming from a TV station than there would out coming from us so um that was kind of a big hold up but then it's got it's got to the point where they said to us well listen we can delay this if you want um you know but we can delay the tapings so this is like three weeks out i'm like i can't do three nights i do one night so, but then obviously the production costs of doing one night and two like it's between one and two which is ridiculous so like it was almost a case of well we kind of need to do two nights to make it you know to make it work unless you're going live but i've got no and that was the initial approach to go live but i decided not i didn't want to do that because i don't want to put that horrible pressure on myself um so and i want to learn about the tv business before um so you know um i they it got to a stage where they said you can you can postpone this if you want and we can we can hold it back but i've been kind of like just like i'm here and i'm just like we've got these dates booked in we've got a lot of wrestlers we have access to that week so i've I'd, I'd got the dates cleared with new japan before um you know when it was when i booked the venues but we got we access to these names it makes sense to use them so you know should we just give it a go see what happens and i was and i'm like we put all 50, all tickets at £15 pounds. you can't say fairer than that mm-hmm. in terms of value for what you're getting um, and we just put them on sale and see what happens and that's what we've done we've put them on sale and we're seeing what happens so ultimately it's kind of a it's almost like I need everyone who supports us and supports British wrestling and supports independent professional wrestling to get behind us and, and kind of help fill this place and make it make them nights nice to remember because the reason again I could have gone to a smaller venue than New York Hall as well Um, especially with his notice but I wanted to put in York Hall because I wanted to try and uh, recreate the York Hall atmosphere that that has wrestling fans from
0: around the world talking about it and it's kind of your home as well but absolutely. York Hall when you see it um, like the boxing on Sky, it looks great inside so I think it is an ideal venue to try and get across the image of what you are as a promotion as well if anything
1: yeah absolutely so um uh so, um, uh, so that's that's kind of the mindset behind it, and and I and I'm trying to, yeah, like I say, like we need to get, but to part a big part of recreating that is getting our regular fans to come and support. And I know it's a week night, and know it's short notice, but tickets are fifteen pounds. So, um, so hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully that's what we're going to be able to do, and um, and we've got some great matches lined lined up, and it's it's hard as well because obviously where it's television, mm. there's not so much we can announce because it's going to be episodic in its very nature um so we will be announcing a few matches we just announced Justin Liger and Chris Brooks we have announced Zack Sabre Jr and Kashida but there's a a sign of intent right there in terms of you know the style of professional wrestling we're going to we're going to be producing so um to make things perfectly clear as well like um it's a it's being produced by a production company not us so i'm v- very aware of you know some of the flaws in our production but it's because it's a learning process. It's not, again, it's not an excuse. I'm not using it as an excuse to be like, well, that didn't look good because we're still learning how to do sure. it. Right? I'm just saying it's just a reality of being a small company, which is growing. We have teething problems all the time, but the, the important thing is learning from them and moving, moving forward. Yeah, and, yeah. and you find that when you're a small company as well, like, you're spinning plates all the time. So you know, you're know, you having to get, and you to having to choose where, where the focus goes on any given day you're like you know what's the focus on is it on trying to get this to look right on camera or is it to try and sell tickets because if we sell (laughs) tickets we've got a crowd if we don't sell tickets we don't have uh, we don't have any money so therefore we have to so we have to concentrate on the selling tickets part you know so constantly you're having to make every day you're having to make a decision which is yeah. what do I focus on today and obviously as we're getting bigger it's getting easier and easier to be like right we're going to try and focus on this now we're going to focus on this now bring someone in to work on this and focus on that in specific area but again just a learning gradual growing process um and uh with the tv there's a production company who are coming in producing the show we're not responsible for the lighting of it. We're not responsible for the entrance way. We're not re- We're responsible for putting up a wrestling ring, putting on some great professional wrestling, and um, and for trying to get our fans to
0: come to watch a show. It sounds really exciting just from that perspective. Just knowing that you're going to get something slightly different from your usual York Hall cool show as well. If anything, are you paying for the production costs or are the production? Well, costs that's a personal a- question. is <laughs> it? nah. uh, So it's a. Uh, we're in a partnership. Okay.
1: So yeah, so we're in a partnership. I've always said like. <laughs> a deal for us is uh, a TV deal. So I've maintained that being on television is not the be-all and end-all. I still maintain that, especially with the advent of new technology. You don't need television to be successful. But an opportunity came my, my way where I had an opportunity to put on professional wrestling. In my vision, the way I want it, I said, like, it has to be, you know, I'm not, you know, you're not telling me who to book. You're not telling me, you know... The style it needs to be, mm. you're not telling me anything like I put if, if I do this, I write the shows, I produce the shows, we put on my vision of professional wrestling, you know, and uh, and, and, and that, just in case anyone's wondering, is, is really what the your call shows are, my vision of professional wrestling, what the cockpit shows are. Um, you know, I believe there should be a little bit of everything on all the shows, but at the same time, I think it should be treated as a serious um, it's still entertainment. But, like, you know, presented more of a sport than entertainment. Sure. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that's that's what I'm going to aim to to do with these shows. And, again, I'm not sitting here telling you they're going to be perfect because they're probably not the first few weeks. I'll probably look back, like, same with everything you do, but, like, the first few weeks I'll probably look back at the shows and cringe. As a, <laughs> because as you, get, as you get going, you get better at doing everything you do. Yeah, but I look yeah. back at shows I've promoted i look back at the early ones and i cringe i look back at shows from last year and i cringe but that's but you cringe at different things right and how far you've got on is the is kind of a level of cringe so like i'll be like oh my god i can't believe (laughs) that you know whatever you you know but stuff that wouldn't have even entered my mind before would make me cringe now so um so yeah so again it's going to be a learning process but we're working with people who know exactly what they're doing in terms of producing television. They've produced television from your call before. They've produced boxing shows from your call before, which is obviously a, a good sign because it means they know the venue. Um and uh yeah, and they seem very receptive to to just letting me get on with producing my vision of pro wrestling. So very excited about the show. Very excited, it's just gonna give you opportunity for people to see it. I'm not expecting it to be you know to be kind of a you know a huge game changer, but it'd be nice if it was, you know. And and I think it's a platform and it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to learn, opportunity to grow. So, you know, all we can do is be given opportunities, take those opportunities, and try and make the most of them and see what
0: happens. So your approach is going to be different to the world of sport approach. Let's just say in terms uh, of
1: yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and I got nothing against uh, the world of sport show. It's not. It's not for me. Um, I I fundamentally think that there are there are issues with it um, which I'm sure people can discuss till they're blue in the face uh, we um, have done <laughs> I think the, your biggest the first biggest issue I, I'll d- give you a couple of issues I think the first biggest issue is to dismiss wrestling fans because I think you're so ignorant if you're like you know I'm producing a professional wrestling show but it's not aimed at wrestling fans it's aimed at the general public yeah Well, yeah. what does that make wrestling fans yeah. then outcasts yeah do you know what I mean so like to me there's a way there's a way you can appeal to wrestling fans and the general public and I think that that's what they've missed the boat on massively Um, I also feel that ITV's strength is reality I watch The X Factor I'm suckered into the sob story I'm suckered into the success story I'm suckered into the rags to riches where are those pieces on World of Sport Yeah. And non-existent where's the connection you know, wrestling should be simple. Wrestling, wrestling is simple. Wrestling's the most theatre. It is simplest form is professional wrestling. I don't need convoluted matches. The first match of the thing to be like a fight. I don't know whatever it was. Five men wrestling each other with dodgy, screwed finishes, left, right, and center. You know, tag team partners turning on each other in the first week before you have even learnt they're a tag team. You know, guys fusing with someone one week, not feuding with them in the next, but then feuding with the following week. You know some of the best wrestlers in the world, not introducing them as such, you know, it's just, yeah,
0: yeah. you know,
1: that's the kind of, that's the kind of thing, you know, aside from obviously the crazy production, you know, the crazy cuts yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, aside from all of that, that's that would be my, that would be my argument for the biggest force of a show. Um, in saying that, I I hope it does well. I, I really do. Um, it's, it's unfortunate. It's obviously, it's not, uh, it's obviously not performing in the, in the, in in the ratings. Um, but who knows what the metrics are in terms of what's acceptable and what's not and what they want and what they don't want. You know, we don't, we, you know, we're not, we're not sitting in ITV towers. So, um, you know, we can only speculate. Um, and I'm, but again, like I say, like I, anything that gives people an opportunity to make more money and is, is a, is a good thing for me. Um, I don't necessarily think, I mean, obviously, in an ideal world, it would be a smash blow-away success. Mm-hmm. Everyone would love the show, everyone would be talking about it, and I could put Kip Sabian, Shah Samuels, Credo, Rees, et etc. I could put those on my posters, and everyone's like, Oh, it's that guy of World of Sport, let's buy our tickets for that. That's in an ideal scenario. You know what I mean? I want I want it to succeed, you know, and I think that's there's a very defensive attitude from people who are involved in it as well of you know well you're just saying that it's not aimed at you right and um and you're just saying that because you're not involved or whatever you know I've seen all kind of you know and I've never aside from on my podcast I've never publicly um you know um put any opinion out on on world of sport um so uh, so I'm not saying that this is essentially myself who's who's had this stuff levied at me but I've looked at people's critiques of it and I've seen people's replies to the critiques mm. and they are closed-minded replies instead of an open-minded reply, yeah. and I feel like you need to differentiate. So, you can critique one of my wrestling shows. So you can say, "Oh, Andy, I think that show was rubbish," yeah. right? And I'm like, "Well, why is it rubbish? Just didn't like it, right? <laughs> okay, thanks. Look, I'm not, I'm not interested in that response, yeah, yeah, right? Um, you could say to me, Andy, I didn't really enjoy that wrestling show." Why is that? Well, I think the matches went too long. I don't think there was enough variation in the matches. You know, I don't think this guy really got over the way you'd intended him to get over. You know, didn't enjoy this match at all. Not really my cup of tea. You can give me critique of what you liked and didn't like. And wrestling is art. Wrestling is subjective. Okay, so what you think is a great wrestling match, I might think is a rubbish wrestling match, and vice versa. Right? i've made a living on having a taste of wrestling which is similar to a lot of people so the odds are that our our views are kind of be pretty similar into as to what wrestling we like but still you're still going to get those conflicts of i thought that was great you didn't think that was great you know but i think you can't be blinded by um by the fact that you know i'm just going to shut my eyes because i could like you could give me a critique of my show i'd just be like nope not listening
0: it's really interesting though that you're saying that and i'm so glad you're open-minded and you know we'll listen to feedback because doing a podcast where we review wrestling we've got a lot of shit before and we've got shit from other promoters based on things that we've said in the podcast that we think are fair balanced constructive criticism and i feel like there are uh, they are uh, how can i put it there are other companies out there who have painted criticism as negativity, yeah, and they've made lots of British wrestling fans become sort of blind loyalists, and any feedback and criticism that they receive they is approached personally. as a negative, and you're seen as being negative, and you yeah. know that they've painted it around slogans as well, and branded slogans. I'm talking about progress primarily here. And it's so refreshing to actually hear you say criticism and feedback when it's constructive is a good thing because, personally, I'm a teacher. And every year, I'm I, people can watch me teach and they give me feedback on my performance as a teacher. And it's the best thing because sometimes, you know, if I just keep going along going along and I'm told you're doing a great job, I'm not going to improve as a teacher at the end of the day. And I just think that there's such a such a fragility to so many personalities in British wrestling right now and it's I don't know it's great to talk to someone who can kind of take that criticism and can respond to that criticism and think about it as a positive if absolutely
1: and I think it's, that's the most important thing not to be close-minded um I will say again like um uh, um what what we need to remember is that when you work very hard on something it does hurt when you get negative, yeah, negative yeah. feedback and um and i think that and i can understand again i'm not defending anyone what anyone said or or whatever have you but i can understand the reaction of you are saying horrible stuff go away go away go away i can understand that completely because like i say when you work so hard on something mm. and something doesn't go the way you want it what's well, kind of the worst really when you work hard on something you recognize it's is gone, not gone very well and then you get the criticism coming back and you're just sure. like I know just go away but, <laughs> but anyway um, you know so I can understand why people do respond in that way and, and do automatically get the defence up but I think some people do have that feeling that everyone's out to get us you know um, which just isn't always the case and it, sometimes it is the case but you have to be able to differentiate A from B, you know, and like I always say, you know, Twitter's the worst for it, and uh, and I think that if you are able to look through someone's Twitter timeline, you can instantly see that criticism is just a horrible personal attack based upon unfounded nothingness, or whether it is, (laughs) um, you know, or whether it's come from a level-headed person who's, you know, just giving you an an active criticism, and again, you know, sometimes with those people, your answer. You know, so I get I I have some people who literally just want to dig at me constantly. Oh, I've noticed. <laughs> um, and your answer can never be good enough. Right? you can give the most logical answer you could possibly you could possibly give. You could give your reasons behind doing something, which again, it's not always um, it's not always black and white. It's not always right and wrong. It's not always you know. It, it's just fact. This was my opinion on this specific thing, or you're wrong. Well, it's my opinion, so I can't be wrong. Yeah. You know, is it, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm just, yeah. I'm just trying to explain to you what my logic is, what my viewpoint is. So that's uh, that's very important to realise that some people no answer, and you always get sucked in, but or sometimes, and but sometimes just no answer is good enough. Yeah, um,
0: and that's what you need to remember. It's interesting. After the um, Sam Adonis incident at the Cockpit Show, I was doing the results for the Indie Corner Twitter account and I was looking at responses, and it just felt like there were people with daggers who wanted to... Yeah, they have been waiting to pounce for a while, yeah. And I felt the same with... I ended up deleting my Twitter in the last couple of weeks, um, and the thing that really tipped me over the edge was the Dave Meltzer situation. Yeah, right, yeah. Where people felt that they just wanted to pounce on Meltzer and address him in in just a, a way that pushed a certain agenda that they wanted to push if anything and i felt i feel like you have unfortunately suffered that at times as well and the adonis incident was the prime example of that where you know that was kind of out of your control the guy was going to business for himself and i was getting responses to the indy quarter account saying um well not so nice things about yourself let's say and putting it on yourself and i just sort of thought to myself there's no this is also black and white there's no um there's no nuance to any of this these people are not in the building as well but not actually yeah, considering what's the situation there were 200
1: is. people in the building yet 2000 people commenting on it you know yeah, and it
0: was yeah. it, it was an awkward
1: situation and it wasn't one that i wanted to be in i've got i mean oh, i felt uh,
0: incredibly sorry you know, for you at the time
1: and i've discussed it in depth on the podcast but it was you know it's one of those things where um you look back and yet, and it's almost like I don't believe how much it blew up mm. in such a short amount of time, um, and you know, at the end of the day, my again, I've I've spoken my viewpoint on it personally, um, and I don't feel I need to go into that again. But my my whole my whole um, obviously Sam made a big mistake, complete misjudgment, but my whole thing in that was, you know, and he's cost himself a lot of work with myself. But again, I don't shut the door completely because. I feel like he's, he's being punished for making these mistakes, and I hope people won't make it, you know. And again, like at the moment, it, it wouldn't even be logical to bring him back. But again, like I say, people can learn from mistakes. And I think we live in such a society in today's day and age where it just becomes a witch hunt. And it became a witch hunt on Sam. To an extent, it became a witch hunt on me, but that was people with an agenda sure, against myself. Absolutely. Um, for whatever reason, I don't even know why, because I've always tried to conduct myself in a. You know, I'm, you know, you said to me before this interview, is there anything you don't want to talk about? No, I'll talk about anything, right? <laughs> you ask me a question, I'll give you an honest answer, right? I'm not hiding from anyone. I don't have any ulterior motives for anything. Um, I'll tell you completely straight the way it is, in my opinion, again, not fact, in my opinion. Um, but um, I just didn't want it to turn into a witch hunt because to me, that's almost just as bad. It's like, now we're going to try and ruin someone's life because they made one mistake. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for me, like, everyone makes mistakes. And granted, his was a massive mistake. And again, completely misjudged. And I believe, and I've, I've made my thoughts clear in public and privately. And, you know, I spent a long time with Sam after a show in the dressing room. He, like, at the time, I, he didn't even realise how bad it was you know and i had to explain to him you know and this is crazy because people are like well you should have i don't know
0: oh there like, were people nitpicking saying why so, don't you take you two matches to apologise? So, like you're a human being like the show must go and, on as well yeah and, and, and human i felt response like, and, isn't something that's well, at, robotic so, and,
1: and at the time as well i felt like i said um the the line i used was um welcome back to 2018 and that was my way of kind of Trying to laugh it off, and again, it might have been the wrong reaction at the time, but I was just like, this is so ludicrous the stuff he's saying that surely you've not like surely none of you are taking it personally because it's so the stuff he's saying is so ludicrous right and so prehistoric and that's that type of language is stuff that you would have heard again like we when we did the podcast, we were saying like Jerry Lawler did an angle with gold dust mm-hmm. in ninety five ninety six yeah,
0: yeah.
1: that language was all over the the those promos I'm not making excuses I'm just saying that was the times we lived in then right but you watch it now and I watch it now and I kind of like laugh about it in the sense of like wow how backwards was society in those days and I just looked at it and I was like wow this is absolutely ludicrous and I genuinely thought at the time and I, I read the situation completely wrong I was like this is bad right but I was just like he just needs to talk into like in terms of like you know, you can't say that stuff. Like, this is, like, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't realise there would be the absolute outrage and what we would have really, really offended people. And the second I realised that people were genuinely upset and genuinely hurt by it, because, like I say, wrestling's all about evoking emotions, mm-hmm. and that line between reality and fiction is very thin. So, again, like I say, like I, I, the second I realised that... You know this is it's gone too you know i knew it had gone too far but i thought we could all move on mm-hmm. you know and the second i realized it'd become what it'd become that was when i knew i had to apologize sure. um and make it very clear i just didn't want to obviously i don't want to be associated with that stuff um and you know and it's it obviously it should go without question it's not my thoughts on the subject at all you know and um yeah I, I don't know I don't know what else to say about it apart from it was just a, it was a horrible situation yeah, and unfortunately people used it to rather rather than looking at the real story the real situation because to me it's all about education mm. right so to me it's a, it's like we need to educate people that this type of stuff is unacceptable. It wouldn't even enter my mind that in 2018, there'll be someone who'd have a live microphone who would think that type of language is acceptable. Yeah. It wouldn't even enter my mind. But I live in an idealistic world, I guess, you know? Like, I don't feel like, you know, we've done this podcast today. I don't think I needed to say to you, hey, Joe, before we do this podcast, just to remind you, please, don't say this, don't say, like, you know, yeah, these terms are unacceptable, absolutely. these are, you know... I like to just take it that everyone... Like, so, like for me, the real issue is education. How do we educate these people that this is wrong? Mm. And how do we how do we let people make good on that?
0: I think we also need to educate those that are so willing to judge and condemn as well. They, there needs to be some education there Absolutely. as well. But I don't know how you do that because there's such self-righteousness with the perspective. Example, I went and saw um, Black Klansman last night. And obviously, it's a Spike Lee film about the Ku Klux Klan, so there's all sorts of racially charged language in the film. And I'm watching it. and I, it, I actually sort of thought of the Adonis incident, and sort of thought it's weird because you can get away with this when you're, yeah. when it's you know a, a media product that isn't live, but in front of a live audience, we're kind of at a point now, and resting such a unique entity anyway, that even though you're playing a character. You can't use that language in that setting, and you can't offend live, but you can do it in the space of like a film or a TV show. Is it that because it's such a diff, it's a slightly different the lines are so,
1: the lines are so blurred now, and that's the thing, you know. And like to me, my my mindset is, we just, you know, we we toe the line, except mm. it's not, you know, this is art, but we don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. Absolutely. And that's, that's where my line is now on, on professional wrestling. Like, personally, I think if it's, uh, you know, for, in films and stuff, if it's something which is artistic, if it's something that raises questions, if it's something that, you know, like, this guy's so out of touch, or whatever have you, like, I I don't get offended by it, but I can see why people would. So, sure. But again, it's another, another question for another day. But again, I, my, my main thing is, like, I just don't want stuff like that to you know again we can have honest discussion back and forth we can each have opinions on it but like to have an agenda and just be like right you, let's use this to vilify this person yeah, for, yeah. you know it's just craziness
0: I've also find it's sort of hiding behind a and I'm a very left wing person myself but it's hiding behind like a leftist social justice warrior perspective but I also find um, that the people that are doing it don't often question how illiberal some of their views are, how they're so willing to condemn. So you think about, I don't know, Rich Swann as an example, and mm. some of the reaction he's got to being booked on shows here. like as I know Sue Young has come out and said, Just please stop this. But those with agendas are still really pushing this hard yeah. line. And you sort of think you've got quite a... Right wing perspective on justice and punishment. Yeah. There, do you not think about this? Uh, it, it all feels very narrow and filtered through the same.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's hard. I, there's nothing, you know. I feel like I can't say anything on the matter because I feel like I'm just going to get in trouble if I say anything. Sure, you know, and sure. that's, that's kind of the, the society we live in, and it's like, ultimately like, like I say, like I, and this is a personal belief. I believe that. Again, I'm not justifying anyone's actions i'm not justifying anything that anyone's done in their lives however what i do believe is as human beings we've all done stuff we're not proud of we've all done stuff where we've made mistakes we've all done stuff where if we could take it back we'd take it back right some more extreme than others but what i am a big believer in is second chances and what i'm a big believer in is being able to uh is again educating people where something's wrong how to how to make stuff right um and um and i just don't believe that someone like rich swan as an example i don't believe that he should doesn't no no longer has a right to have a career and and especially given the circumstances we can go you know back and forth all day long but like you say his wife has come out and said everyone leave him alone we're happy together we're you know so leave him alone yeah let him live his life yeah but that's still not good enough. So, what's going to be good enough? What will be, like, ultimately, what will be good enough for you? What, like, you know, if you're saying, you know, like, well, this person's done wrong, what does he need to do to do right? Yeah. Well, nothing can make up for it. Exactly. Well,
0: there you go. So, we might as well not have a discussion. So, I was going to ask, with, say, the British J Cup and the upcoming shows, are there any talent you're excited about um, booking for the first time and about fancying for the first time that you're bringing over? Um, with
1: well, with J Cup, obviously, Flamita and Bandido. For sure, very excited about bringing those guys over. Um, in terms of, uh, yeah, the upcoming like so the upcoming shows are like so so oh so we, this weekend we've got coming up on the, on Saturday we're in Leamington with Juice Robinson and so it's a copy on Sunday as well but that's sold out so um, gutted if you wanted to come to that but uh, <laughs> but Juice Robinson's someone I want fans to see up close and personal because he's just great. Just I saw him in New
0: Orleans, and his presence yeah. was—I didn't expect it at all. Like he, there's something about him that he's got live. Yeah, so he's
1: real good, and I'm—I'm I'm looking forward to people seeing him. Um, just in terms of the TV stuff, I'm just looking forward to people uh, just enjoying the show like i you know i genuinely feel like the shows have got a good real good flow to them and real rhythm that people are going to enjoy um and and, uh, and i'm looking forward to that and seeing people's reactions to the stuff which is which is going to go down um so and it'd be interesting as well because obviously from a live perspective you're going to see stuff that you won't see on the tv um and uh, and you're not really going to have a real feel for the show until it's actually broadcast for the first time it's sure. obviously there's going to be Apart from there's going to be additions and stuff but we add you know post-production and stuff but you'll be able to get a vibe of you know this is you know from my perspective you're going to go to a show it's going to feel no different to any other Rev Pro show apart from the fact um, you know it'll probably run a a lot quicker because we need to you know get the stuff in Um, and uh, yeah and aside from that British J Cup I'm just what I'm most excited for for British J Cup is just so many unique matches Mm. And like Kashida versus Chris Ridgway as an example is a, you know a f- first round match that um, to me as a wrestling fan that's a match that I want to see.
0: It's a big week for Chris Ridgway. Yeah, well. he's
1: wrestling on Saturday in Leamington. He's got um, uh, Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay. It? Yeah, Sunday at the London Cockpit. He's wrestling as uh, Zack Saber Junior. Um, He's going to have a big weekend uh, at our TV tapings. I think on the second night, we're going to probably announce it by the time, even though it would be an exclusive for you. But on the second night, he is wrestling Rocky Romero. Uh, oh no maybe it's the first night he's got a match with rocky romero that weekend anyway um you know and then obviously kashida in the j cup so um, big weekend for chris ridgeway and he's someone who i rate very highly and i think he's just getting better and better and better um as he gets more confident in what he does um, i think he's always been a fantastic wrestler but i feel like he's starting to get a bit more presence about him as well which uh, i think when he gets that side of his game down there's um, going to be no stopping him
0: for you as a owner of an independent wrestling company what is a day what is the day-to-day of the job what is your working week like in this profession
1: um well you never stop working is a is a key thing i'd say um i mean i try in an ideal world i'd only work a couple of hours a day but i just find myself working from the moment i wake up to the moment i go to bed especially when you're doing you know stuff with new japan obviously due to the time difference sometimes you're up in the middle of the night trying to get stuff done um or first thing in the morning getting stuff done to to work within there within their time, uh, within their time zones, um, I should say, Um, and um, one thing, uh, and again, like, you wear different hats, it's just the same as, I look at myself as an entrepreneur, I don't want to be, like, if I had my way, all I'd be doing is booking wrestling shows, I wouldn't be promoting them, I wouldn't be, uh, you know, I wouldn't be, Running merchandise stores, coming up with new ideas for merchandise. I wouldn't be, you know, editing stuff. I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't, I'd literally just be in charge of this is professional, yeah, this yeah. is wrestler A versus wrestler B, wrestler, you know, that's what I'd be doing. But I always said, booking shows became a necessity, uh, sorry, running shows, promoting shows became a necessity when I was booking with someone else's money. And it's like a case of really need to start putting my money where my mouth is Mm. because I'm making these decisions saying I want to spend this money, this money. And the guy who was uh, funding it, um, he was like, you know, like, well, let's put trainee on in this spot because I can save some money here, but you don't understand the importance of why we need this guy, you know? And, and I, my mentality has always been like to hell with the, uh, with the budget or with a, you know, let's just, I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to save a tenner here and there. I'm just trying to put on the best product I can, Um, which is my, that's my philosophy in terms of ultimately in the, as the end game, we're going to get more subscribers to your on demand service because we're presenting a higher quality. We're going to build a bigger fan base, which is going to enable us to sell more tickets. And, you know, so despite the fact we might have spent, you know, 10 pounds more here mm. we've made back a hundred pounds more on the other end sure. so that's kind of always been my philosophy behind it but as a result it means you have to wear loads of different hats so I do a little bit of everything so I, I, I wouldn't even be able to tell you if you told me asked me to do what my working day was wouldn't even be able to <laughs> tell you where to know where to begin like I do so, like honestly I, I'm not I, I'm not blowing my own horn <laughs> I do so much like every everything you can imagine you know if you name a job I do it, right. I've done
0: it. Are you essentially a one-man band as well? Um,
1: well, I have been for a long time, but now we've got a few people who work for us. Um, so uh, there's three people who work in this very office you sit in, plus myself. Um, and uh, so so we've got someone who takes care of the merchandise getting that sent out. Um, but again, it's like, I oversee, you know, like... I oversee a lot of this stuff. So I, sure. like, so I take care of the new Japan merchandise. I'm like, I'm very hands on with, I make sure we get that new stock regularly, new designs regularly, um, make sure there's good stock control and, you know, and I'll push that hard and, and, and totally on, you know, on top of, um, I want to find time to dedicate to producing some more of pro merchandise. Cause that's something that's kind of, I've left to someone else to do, but it's not really progressed. How like, you know, every day now and again, you get little, you know, with pro mugs come out or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but like, I want to keep pushing it, keep pushing sure. it. So that's something I want to have a bit more focus on, you know, um, uh, we got someone who's dealing with kind of, again, I'm trying to train him to be like me, but like, <laughs> um, so dealing with the day to day stuff, you know, um, but again, where, where to start, you know, um, and we got someone who's, d- does uh, some editing as well. Um, who does just two days a week doing the editing stuff. The other two, uh, do every day. Um, so it's you know so there's more people working on it now. So you're
0: employing people full time in the office yeah, as well. Yeah, and that's but... uh,
1: and that's you know that's again that's something that I want to do. You know, be able to give people, you know,
0: yeah, yeah proper yeah.
1: real money to come and do something they enjoy doing, and you know that's what I you know that's what I want to be able to do. You know, I don't. It's it's not. Again, it start, obviously it started off as a hobby, something I, I love doing, but like it's not, a, it's beyond that now, you know, it's a business, it's a proper yeah. business now. So, and it's a business we fully intend on on continuing to grow and evolve. And that's why I say like it's, uh, you know, when when you look at, um, you know, where our position within the, the wrestling industry, like I want us to be a a full-time wrestling promotion who, you know, this, this isn't a joke for us. It's not a hobby. That's mm. why it's, you know, sometimes very hard when you get criticism and stuff, because, you know, especially okay not so much when you get criticism so I you know I do take everything you know like if if it's unfair criticism sometimes I take that personally because I don't like when people get me wrong as a person Mm -hmm. because I've always got the best intentions in heart and and my best intentions are for professional wrestling in this country so um, you know I just want to produce the absolute best and and I want to help everyone and I want to help everyone earn real money and I want to want to help everyone grow and like people don't make fantastic money working here but they're a part of something that if it does grow they will yeah. they will do you know so everyone's a part of this process as it's growing together you know and, and ultimately one day i genuinely believe we can we can do this we can turn it into something special and turn it into something that grows you know
0: yeah most definitely I hope the tv deal might be a step in that direction. well it
1: could, it could be a catalyst for it for yeah, sure definitely. absolutely but you know who knows it might it might be a step back, or yeah. it might
0: it might not change
1: a thing. Who knows? But like I said, like it's one of those things that if you don't give it a go, you know you. You don't know where you
0: are gonna you be. You don't know where you're
1: gonna be. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So you, you don't know what you know. At the moment, I I want to I want to try and gain something. So. Cool.
0: Couple of last questions I had as well. Your podcast. Yes. My favourite wrestling podcast, personally, um, I'm not just saying that because I'm sat across from you. I think it's the most honest and it's the most upfront wrestling podcast, and it's also great for educating fans who... So I was, what, 16 uh, in 2003 when the FWA was doing their thing and doing the Super Show, so I used to watch stuff on the wrestling channel, but I never really got to shows because none of my friends are wrestling fans. So I thought there's a real gap in my knowledge from that kind of mid-2000s sort of period of British wrestling. And I think you do an amazing job at actually educating people who have come on board in the last kind of five, six years of that period of time.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's our intention. So like obviously, yeah, sometimes are too truthful. But I say, <laughs> I always say this, like I'm always like so I feel like I'm in a position now where I don't need to be I I'm so I I'm so secure about where I am mm. and then myself as a as a person. Not like not like oh I'm so secure about my position in the wrestling business. <laughs> like I literally couldn't care less if if people, you know wanna slag me off as, as a result of what I'm saying. Obviously sometimes it hurts, you know, we're all human, right? But I, I don't feel like I have to protect people's feelings. So I feel like I'm in a s you know, in a situation where I can tell the stories as they were at yeah, the time yeah, yeah, yeah. without having to, you know, be like, oh well we can't tell this part of the story because we're mates with this person and I'm just like so much time's passed since a lot of that stuff as yeah, well but true. even if anyone does get upset about it it's like come on like we were all different people then the world was a different place and we were different people like you know we've all grown up since then like some of the stories I tell I tell you like you know it's like I look back and I laugh about how how much we've changed and how what such something that in I don't know in 2003 you might have seemed like such a big deal is now just laughable thinking yeah, it was even yeah. even a big deal at all. Um, but I think it helps give perspective, and I think it helps helps us look at how much we've grown as as people. And also, like you say, like look at that British wrestling industry, because I think a lot of people just assume that British wrestling has always been there and always been in this big old boom. And I think that. Um, you know, it is uh, it is very important to educate people and let people know what came before and and let people search it out for themselves and see as well that there was a fantastic scene. And I also feel, um, you know, that, for example, with FWA, their footprints and fingerprints are all over British wrestling as we currently know it. And I said, even like this episode like we just did this last week was on uh, FWA 2.0, which was one of the biggest modern-day... Flops in in wrestling. Like if you listen to that episode, you'll hear I credit FWA two point with this new level of branding and and social media activity and you know all their YouTube show and I just feel like it was just a little bit ahead of its time and it didn't have its its ducks in the rows mm-hmm. so to speak. So um you know like a, I think it's it's important to be able to look back at that stuff with with some kind of perspective and and you know pay credit to those who came before us and also tell some really funny stories because you know so much stuff you know it's so like again if anything happens in today's day and age like social media is all over it right back in the day you just had the uk fan forum that was your that was your sole source of gossip (laughs) um but you know so much stuff went down and happened that, that no one ever talks about so the podcast gives us a unique opportunity to you know to do just that and to to speak about you know when incidents happen like the sound thing as an example it gives you an, an instant forum to discuss that and i know some people like to hear the inner workings of rev pro shows and you know oh, what's i find going it fascinating
0: on. i think that's one of the it's that and the history that really kind of connect me and others that i speak to with that podcast if anything because we're getting information that we wouldn't have previously gotten, say, a year ago about the show, so there are lots of unanswered questions kind of thing. Sorry, questions that are now answered, I should say, which is great. Um, I was going to say as well, um, going back to talent, when are we getting Shah Samuels back? Who knows? (laughs) He's the one we all miss. Who knows? And talking about sort of mid-2000s British independent wrestling, a man has just come onto the market, apparently. Um, Any chance of... uh, park turn up in river pro anytime soon park a pa- pack, pack sorry <laughs> um
1: uh i hope so yeah
0: yeah he's like i've like made a
1: secret about the fact we used to be very good friends but unfortunately when he went to america we drifted apart yeah so yeah, yeah hopefully we can drift back together um and make some magic happen um, i used to room with him when we did the nwe tours he was jungle pack um so, yeah, I do. I genuinely hope so. I think the world has, again, where the world's changed so much, I think that, you know, he's going to be very surprised to see how much uh, everything has evolved mm-hmm. in the time he's been away. Um, but I genuinely think he's going to be an asset wherever he winds up next. Like, I think it'd be a travesty if he doesn't wrestle. So, wherever he winds up next, he's going to be an absolute asset too. Um, and, uh, yeah, I do, to me, like, it's, that's what I don't like when guys like that, like, to just look at, like, again even in the WWE with a limited um role he was given he was still a superstar oh yeah so to me you know like i can't i hate seeing stuff like that where you've got guys who just can't miss successes who they just consistently miss um but yeah you look at him and you look at the laundry list of guys you'd like to see him wrestle and it just goes on and on and on and uh, there are several yeah. york
0: call cool main events in there absolutely
1: that so um let's hope so and let's hope uh, um he, who knows? He could be a game changer for everyone, you know. Um, so, who knows?
0: Okay, uh, I was going to say, is there anything before we wrap up that you wanted to talk about or go over, anything you want to plug at all?
1: No, just really, just to plug it. Like again, like I, 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 I mean, the the main purpose of me doing these interviews you uh, you probably see a few of few from me pop up, but like I don't, I'm trying to publicize this Rev Pro week we've got coming up next week. Like I say, on Saturday we're in Leamington Spa. Um, we got. Sunday's sold out at the London Cockpit and we've got Wednesday and Thursday um, we're at York Hall Bethel Green. All tickets £15 for those TV tapings, which I can't stress enough how much I need everyone's support on those shows. Um, and um, the Friday we're at the Portsmouth Guildhall. so the biggest lineup we've ever put on in Portsmouth. It's ridiculous. Um, and then Saturday, Sunday, we've to out our crazy British J-Cup, which again, like I say, one of my highlights of last year. I think it's going to be a highlight of this year. That's in Manchester big opportunity for northern fans to put their stamp down and be like we want more big rev pro shows in manchester because obviously if it's, a, if it's a big success you're gonna get more big shows so uh and if there's anything i know about people from manchester it's like they like upsetting people from london so <laughs> um so um that's coming as an arsenal fan um and watching arsenal get demolished by man city a couple of weeks <laughs> ago but anyway um Like I say, I don't do these... I'm doing a lot of these interviews. I don't expect any two interviews to be the same because I'm not here to be like... So I'm here to plug those shows. Yes, I want you all to attend those shows. um, But I feel like the best thing I can do is give you guys value. So you've asked me some questions. I've answered whatever questions you've thrown my way. Um, so there's my value for you guys. So, um, and I hope that that value then leads to you wanting to buy a ticket to one of
0: our professional wrestling shows. Fair trade-off, I think. Andy Quilden, thank you for joining us today at the Indie Corner. Looking forward to next week. I'll be at a few of the shows. And I recommend that everyone listening tries to get along as well because I think we're going to be in for a treat during RevPro Week or RevPro Pro Fortnite, maybe. Let's see. Thank you very much. Thank you.